Hey everyone, it's an Glitch Free Gaming is episode number 215. Hooray! Hooray! That was not bad for a second attempt. Not bad for a second attempt. Still quite a little bit, but <laughs> you know, we're going to have to live with it. These are, these oh. are the hands we're given. Yes, yeah, alright, fair enough. Uh, yes, it is Glitch Free Gaming, your weekly show about uh, all, all things gaming, video gaming, board gaming... All that type of stuff. Uh, it is just myself, Mike, and Kieran. Hello. Today, uh, Paul's away doing real life things again. As always. As always, yeah. Um, as, uh, Paul's a very busy, popular man, and we're just two sad sacks that like to sit and <laughs> talk about video games. That's it. <laughs> well, we'll talk a bit cool. later so about how much of a sad sack I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we have got. We've got a few games to talk about. We do. Uh, yeah, because we're kind of in that kind of weird part of the year where there's not that many new games coming because all they've already come out. Yeah, like it's been a busy few weeks and then we've hit the point where now it's... There's actually still a decent amount of indie games and stuff coming out. And obviously, yeah. at the time of this recording, Smash Brothers isn't out yet. But yeah, like there's not a lot of big games left. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So this is the final week uh, for all the the big games the coming podcast out. Podcast is over. <laughs> We're not doing game of the year. We cancel it all. You, we've cancelled game of the year. Oh no, that would be the saddest oh. for me. You guys are <laughs> happy, but for me, I'd be... <laughs> it's like the one time a year I get to see you guys. I should not try. But... <laughs> But cool. So I uh, like about some games. How have you getting on with Pokemon? I Let's go Pikachu. Caught all of the Pokemon. You caught all the Pokemon. Well, almost all of them. I caught all the ones you need to get the game to say, "Hey, you caught all the Pokemon." Mm -hmm. All the originals, all the hundred and fifty-two, fifty-one. I think it's hundred fifty-one. I think with Mew included. Right, okay. Which I didn't actually catch Mew. My girlfriend bought, or I bought for her, the special edition Switch that came with the Pokeball toy thing. Uh -huh. And that comes with a Mew preloaded into it, so I traded her <laughs> to get that. Ah, uh, right, did you trade it and then trade it back? Yeah, so it's in my Pokedex, but I don't actually own it. Um, yeah, I, I used to do that trick on the, yeah. on the Game Boy game. This is the first Pokemon game that I've kind of cared at all about collecting all the Pokemon in, I think, just because right. that, like, the catching mechanic, which, again, if people go back and listen to, like, a few weeks ago when we were talking about this game coming out soon, I was super goddamn sceptical about that yes. catching minigame. Yeah. Like, it seemed, I was like, oh, this game seems really good, except for the Pokemon Go minigame. It's actually really yeah. good. That minigame... Um... That minigame becomes exactly what I feared it would be at the end. But throughout right. like three quarters of that game, it's really good because it's way faster than battling Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, especially in handheld mode because in handheld mode it's really easy. And so it's just a case of like, you see Pokemon in the wild, one, you can avoid them if you want to, but two, you can go up to the ones you specifically want to catch and you catch them pretty much instantly because it's so fast. But then, later in the game, Pokemon keep breaking out of your Pokeballs. 
Uh-huh. And there's not a lot you can do. You can feed them berries, but that only kind of like increases the chance. It doesn't actually fix it. Right. Which is a bit of a pain because the way you get around that is like earlier in the game, you'll have Pokeballs and you'll get far enough in that Pokemon will keep breaking out your Pokeballs. So you'll upgrade the Great Balls and then all of a sudden you'll be able to basically do the catching minigame really fast again because you've got better Pokeballs. (laughs) Same thing happens, you move up to Ultra. After you get to Ultra, there's nothing above that except for obviously the one Master Ball you get. Uh Uh-huh, right. It just becomes a game of luck. Like Again, you can use the berries to make it slightly more leaned in your favour, but it's only slightly. Even the the better, like the golden berries. Yeah. Um, and it's bits like that that make me wish the battling was still in there, even if it's just like optional to be like, please let me send in a Pokemon so I can send this one to sleep so it doesn't keep breaking out my Pokeball. <laughs> um, something like that would be just fantastic. But other than that, like I, I mean, I got all the Pokemon. I finished the the league. I did all that stuff. I don't know how much of the stuff in the post game I'm going to do. So, right. That game does a really good job of, um, you know, as a remake of Pokemon Yellow. It does a really good job of you go through all the the gems, you do all the Team Rocket storyline and stuff, beat the Elite Four, become the champion. But then once you do that, you unlock uh, these things called Master Trainers. Right, okay. And so Master Trainers all only have one Pokemon. But it's a really good one of those Pokemon. And it has right, like, okay. the best move set that that Pokemon can have. And so uh, you can also only fight against it with one of that Pokemon. So, for example, there's a Mr. Mime one. You go fight the the lady that has a Mr. Mime that's fully leveled up and has all these abilities and stuff. Actually, I don't think they're fully leveled. I think they're level uh, 70 or something. They're not. Like, right, okay. Um, but you go fight against her Mr. Mime and it will destroy any Mr. Mime you have unless you've been sinking time into, you know, making that Mr. Mime good and learning how to use him. Right. It's, then there's some sillier ones. There's like a Metapod one that has like a super high level, high statted uh, Metapod that only knows Harden. And it's like, <laughs> um, it's very silly. But for the most part, there's just a bunch of these and they're incredibly difficult and I don't think I'm going to do them. I right, see, okay. I might see if there are specific, because I don't know how many of them there are. Um, I might see if there are any for the specific Pokemon that I have. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to go out of my way to catch... I mean, I already caught one of everything, but, like... I'm not going to go out of my way to train up, like, the Mr. Mime I found. Or to catch one that has better stats or anything like that. Because I just no. find that bit super interesting. Uh-huh. Um, there's a couple of post-game battles that I've not done yet, though. There's, like, some actual stuff, like, some story stuff that happens after it. Um, we need to level up a bunch of free do it, so I've not done it yet. So I'll probably go back and do that stuff. Um... And then also you unlock the ability to do things like you can refight the uh, the gem leaders. Once a day you can go up to each of the gems and fight the gem leaders and they'll have uh, higher level Pokemon with better stats and better moves and stuff. Uh, right. And, and more Pokemon. Because like the first time you fight uh, Brock, for example, he only has, uh, I think, three Pokemon. And he's got like a full team of six when you go and fight him after the end of the game. 
Right. Okay. So yeah, that they kind of employed things like that in the other, the you know the the Game Boy games as well. Yeah. So this is kind of just their way of being like, hey, there's something to do after you finish the game, and also for people that thought the game was a bit too easy, here's a bunch of harder stuff to do then. Um. But yeah, I I really like that game. I liked a lot more than I thought I would. Um. And I got through it a lot faster than I thought I would. But I, you know, it's a good one. My Pikachu cool. is still wearing a Team Rocket outfit. Right. Which is how Pikachu is meant to be dressed, as far as I'm concerned. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like... I've, I have not played much more. Well, I don't think I've played any, any more of that since we did the last podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, because of reasons. Yeah. Which will become more evident as uh, as the podcast goes on. Was one of those reasons Starlink? Uh, it could be. Battle could be. for Space? Battle has, for Space. It has a subtitle, doesn't it? Yes, uh, Starlink Battle for Atlas. I was close. Yeah. <laughs> So, much, right? I, knew, <laughs> I knew it was generic sounding. Yeah. So this is the the space game that uses the toys to life concept uh, from Ubisoft. It's out on various platforms. Although if you get the Nintendo Switch version, which I have, it comes with uh, extra content and characters in the form of the Starlink characters, Fox McCloud and company. You can start Fox characters. Yeah. Uh, so, which is cool. Yeah, uh, that's cool. That's the main reason I have actually been tempted to buy it, is because of them. More so than the actual game. Even though the game seems good. Yeah, it's... So, let's talk about the Toys to Life thing. Have you... Do you know how to play the game? How it works if you've got the physical version with the toys? It has so, a version of the Joy-Con grip. Yes, yes. So, um, no matter what version you get of, you know, for what console, you get a. I think off oh, for the PS4 and the Xbox, you get some sort of device that snaps onto your controller. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Switch, what it is is it looks like the the Joy-Con device, and it's got this mount on top of it. So what you do is you slide your controllers in, and now you have this controller. And to use the ships, the idea about the... To give you a little bit of the... the how the whole thing fits in, how it works, is they have... You're part of this organization called Starlink, and how it works is you can basically switch components of your ship on the fly. You can switch, you know, wings, uh, weapons, the whole ship, and you can put different variations. It's basically like a Lego ship. And the physical toys do come apart where you can click off the weapons and put them on. You can put, you know, the weapon, the fiery weapon on the left wing or your right wing, wherever you wish. If you get multiple wings, you can stack wings on top of each other, and you can build this kind of custom spaceship. And you, like I said, the toys physically click apart and click back on. Each of the little bits has a kind of a chip 
mm-hmm. that you know when they click in all the chips register and whatever you do with the ship registers on screen on the game when you plug it onto this mount and here is the problem because you have got this controller you, you've got your controller and then you have to stick this fucking big ship on top of it yeah it looks a bit unwieldy yes it is it can be a bit unwieldy you're moving about with it and sometimes the, the wings will stab you in the leg or whatever depending on how you know how you play but it, it's weird i thought it was a really bad implementation it's i think it's the worst implementation i've seen of the, the toys to life thing yeah i kind of get what they were going for with it but it seems like they should probably just have had a you know a portal like skylanders and disney infinity and stuff like that had yeah yeah or you know even just something that you could kind of like the the amiibos with the uh, what do they call it the NFC the NFC switch yeah. yeah you know where you just tap it on one of the buttons and then that's you and off you go I think the reason they probably went with um, this way rather than that is because they want you to obviously keep it in range yeah because yeah, they want you to build because like you know you can like pull the wings off of it and stuff and you can yeah guns onto the wings or put the wings on backwards or stack wings on top of wings if you want um, yes and so I think so, they, their logic is well you need that stuff right in front of you then so you could do that on the fly and it's like you're not going to do that on the fly anyway and also yeah. the controller I again I've not actually played <laughs> it but from the looks of it it seems like it just makes the controller probably very front heavy yes it, well not really the the ship that you get with the Nintendo Switch version is the it's a the Star Fox ship it's yeah. Fox yeah the Arwing and it's not too bad it's quite sort of well balanced because you but i imagine if you had the other toys and you know as you stack things on it would become more unwieldy yeah um but yeah so there's that side of it which is not very good the next side is how the actual ships and things work within the game so the way that it is is when you're playing the game, if you're facing a boss battle or something, or just, you know, playing the game and your ship gets destroyed. That's it. Your ship is destroyed. It's inactive. It's damaged. It needs repaired. So what you need to do is you need to switch in a new ship. So you, you know, plug in a new one and off you go. And you, you know, it's... It does all the funny special effects and yeah, yeah, it is. It's like bad eighties Transformers, you know, whoa, <laughs> when the ship whoa, arrives whoa, back whoa. on screen. Bad eighties Transformers, uh, that thing. Oh no, I think it was all good. It is, yes, it is. <laughs> I lived through it. It's bad. Um, <laughs> I didn't. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's got all that, and you so you put the new ship on, and it comes through. If you don't have another ship, you then need to reload from a spawn point. Okay, so you reload from a spawn point. Sometimes, if you're down on a on the field and you're you know on a planet, you're doing something on the planet, and some you come across a boss, and you have to respawn. You could respawn back in space. You might need to do the space journey again. Um, that's yeah, that's a bit annoying. But 
you can buy more ships. Mm-hmm. You know, so either you buy we'll get to the digital stuff in a sec, but you buy another plastic ship and the plastic ships are going for £25 at the moment. Uh, in America, I think it's 30 odd dollars or something that they're selling these things for. So you buy another toy and you, you plonk it on and that's it, you can continue. So basically, it's quite clever when you think of what they've done because they're charging you £25 for a continue yeah, you, you know, the, the days are gone where we used to put pound coins into machines. Now we put £25 in moulded plastic. It's inflation for you. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it's it's a really, really bad implementation. And the whole thing just leaves a bad taste in the mouth with the whole toys to life thing. Every aspect of the toys to life, the big unwieldy things, the... Basically, it's a glorified continue point. It's a, it's crazy. Um, but you can play it digitally as well. So, if you don't want the the big toy hanging over your controller, it's no problem. You switch to digital. Uh, with the switch version, you get two ships. So I don't know if you get two ships in, you know, the game for the the Xbox or the the PlayStation Four. I'm not too sure. But in for the Switch, you get a physical version ring and then you get a physical version of the main character his ship in the game mm-hmm. and what you so when you're playing anyway you would just switch his out digitally and that's fine but if you going back to what I was saying about the the continue thing and buying these expensive continues the ships are no longer 25 pound for a digital version it's £12. It doesn't do anything. It's yeah. a continue point. That is it. That is all it does. At least if you're buying, you know, the £25 one, if you were buying it for your kids or something, you know, you could have this little display in, in the room and you could, you've got all these little ships. But I cannot see the reason for me to buy one. Yeah, it feels like they should just be unlockable or something like that. Yeah. Um... And it is, I'm getting to the point now where I'm playing certain parts of the game and I'm losing both my ships because I get ambushed. Maybe I'm, I'm jumping in a bit, a little bit too quickly in some of the planets and I'm getting ambushed and that's it. I lose both my ships and I need to re- go from the respawn point. The only thing that's doing is it's becoming tedious. Yeah. So it, it, it's going to make it so at one point I'm going to go, fuck this. I don't want to play anymore. And this is the shame because it's a pretty good game. So the idea of the game is you've got this a professor and he has uh, perfected spaceship travel and this Starlink system and there's a magical power source. Uh, it, this is basically No Man's Sky. Is the best yeah. way to put it. It, it definitely looks um, kind of no man's sky. Yeah, except the planets aren't uh, procedurally generated, as far as I know. You know, I think all the planets are. They look like the no man's sky planets, and the lot of the idea is, you've got this overarching story that you're trying to play through and get through. You're going to all these different planets, 
And once you get into the meat of the game, you're going to all these different planets and you're trying to get their allegiance mm -hmm. and you want them to follow you. The big bad. I forget the name of the big bad, the race of the big bad in this one. But as always in these space ones, there's a big bad and you a go around. <laughs> yeah. And you, in this case, you are going around and you go to observatories on the planets and you go to talk to the people what can I do, what can I help you with and they'll say maybe fly about and there's some space pirates over in one of the places and they're quite bad to us, can you help us out? So you go and protect them or shoot them uh, there's lots of wildlife and the wildlife looks like the wildlife from No Man's Sky and you have to scan so you need to do scan, you scan them and you basically uh, kind of hover around them. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, so there's, there's different things to do and, uh, you know, these planets, it's possible to do everything within the story on a planet without exploring the entire planet. Um, and the way that you can do it is you can either just, you know, try and circumnavigate the entire planet in your wee ship, or you can go to these little observation posts. And when you help them, they give you currency, and then you can use that currency to upgrade their observation post, and that makes uh, more of the world more visible. And then it's easier once you've got a, a fully upgraded outpost, if you leave that planet and go to another planet on the other side of the solar system, if you need to check that planet or for a resource, you can still see what the observation port can see. Okay. So, so keep yeah, yeah. So it, there's little hooks in it that make you do these kind of open world, you know, fetch and carry tasks. The space combat is quite good as well. So you are traveling from planet to planet and you've got a hyperdrive. Mm -hmm. Again, No Man's Sky. You occupy... I mean, your... Space games. Yeah. Um, it's just that the game looks so much like No Man's Sky. It's, you know, it's obviously been the one at the, at the forefront of these guys' yeah, minds that they've been making it. So saying that... No Man's Sky just got an update like last week, which I've been meaning to check out. The introduced a bunch of new biomes and like graphical effects and stuff like that, and so apparently that oh, right. looks quite different and crazy. Now I need, oh, I need to go right. back to it. People have been saying it looks really, really nice now. Yeah, the, um, this is this is basically it looks very much like the you know No Man's Sky when it first came out. And they've added, yeah, it's quite good. So you're traveling around and you're traveling through hyperspace and you can get ambushed by pirates. And what the pirates will do, they set hyperspace traps. And if you don't come out of hyperspace when your computer detects them, you basically, the trap goes off and it renders you immobile for a couple of seconds so you can get bombarded by the enemy. So the minute you hear that there's a trap, come out of hyperspace so you don't get any damage, you're not immobile, and you can take action straight away. The combat, like I said, is pretty fun. The whole idea is that it's a bit mega many in terms of the weapons, uh, the weaponry. So you start off and you've got like uh, just laser blasters, mm -hmm. and then you can add uh, different 
weapons to your ship. So you've got uh, a flamethrower, and then you've also got a frost barrage, which is a whole load of missiles, and you know they're they're ice. Okay, so uh, like ice kind of element. Yeah, they're, they're elemental attacks. Yeah, these more weapons that you can buy as well. The weapons, I think, a pack costs you fifteen pound and or is it ten pound and four pound? Ten pound for the physical little things and four pound for the digital ones. Um, and you can add those to your ship as well. But you basically the game gives you the three that you need. So if you use the R ring on its own, it's got blasters. You don't add any weapons. If you and then you can use the frost, the frost missiles and the flamethrower. And if you're using the other ship, it's got just a a blaster kind of weapon as well that you can put on. So you've got all the weapons that you need. There there will be these other weapons probably make it a little bit easier for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm not too sure how I feel about that. I'd probably need to play with these weapons to see if they are an advantage or it's just, you know, it's a different style of weapon. Yeah, if it feels they're charging you basically. For... Yeah, if it, if it's pay to win, yeah. I don't think I'd be too happy. Um, That'd be interesting because I suspect. Yeah, like, I feel like it's a game that's somewhat. I mean, like all Toys to Life things, it's kind of not predominantly, but it's it, it's got a large audience or focused to. It wants to have a large audience <laughs> of younger players, like kids and stuff. Like yes, that. yeah, and so, so I wonder whether it'll ever get difficult enough for that, given it's focused on kids, or... Well, the game is quite brutal. When you land on a planet, you get ambushed, and it just wipes through your shields. I found some of the combat is you're needing to pull off, you know, some pretty decent moves. You're needing to strategically about hiding, um, calling in your backup, using your special weapons. There's quite a lot of tactics involved in the combat. Yeah. Unless, unless you had a shitload of ships and you can just sit there and soak damage and fire rockets. Yeah, true. Yeah. So they buy their kids tons of toys. Yes, and that's the kind of annoying thing because, like I said, it is there is a good game in there. Yeah. I'm quite enjoying the game. Although the one thing that I would say is the voice acting of the characters in the game is awful it's really bad the the star fox guys are brilliant it's the the usual actors that voice fox and slippy and all of those and they they do a great job they sound great when they're talking to the the kind of the npcs in the world these they sound okay all the npcs are fine it's the main characters that are on the the, the main ship, which is called the Equinox. All of those guys are, I don't know, it's just, it, it is quite bad. <laughs> it's awesome. weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so my, because what I did was I put Fox in. So not only can you change your ships, you can change your pilots as well. Your right. pilots like give you different. Yes, yeah. So the game comes with little pilots. And what happens is... The bottom of each ship has a cockpit, and okay. uh, 
And the way that it works is on the mount, what you do first is you select your pilot and he slides into the mount. The ship itself clicks on top of the mount, but it also clicks on top of the pilot. So he is now in the ship. That's kind of great. Yeah, that is... You may, you may have just sold me on the Toys to Life part of it now <laughs> after unselling me on it. That's dumb um, and cool. That and the being able to like take the wings off and put them the wrong way and the game like accepts it and like works yes. with it. Those are things that are like... The Toys to Life part of it is poorly implemented as parts of it seem. They had their heart in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes... I started out and I put Fox in. He was my pilot, and then I changed it and I put the. I even I forget his name, but he is the uh, the uh, actor who does it. He is awful. He's absolutely yeah. dreadful, and the interactions are cringeworthy. So I quickly switched him out and put the put Fox back in, <laughs> and uh, the the game is uh, bearable and playable in that way. Uh, if you can pick Starlink up, Starlink at the moment is on sale in a lot of places. You can pick up the base game, the starter pack, for £30 if you're in the UK. twenty nine ninety nine. I saw it on sale on Amazon this morning, the, the day that yeah. we were recording this. I picked it up. I got it on sale on Black Friday for £5, more than that, 35 yeah, and then in America, the at the very least the digital version is on sale in the eShop just now, so presumably yes. the physical one is also on sale somewhere. It seems like this game... Yeah. I don't know, like, I'm torn. I'm, I was going to say, it seems like this game maybe didn't do super well, and so they're, you know, putting on sale real quick, but... Yes. This holiday, everything seems to just be going on sale very quickly, so I don't know if that's because nothing's selling well, which is definitely could possible. It could just be Red Dead came out, and most gamers didn't buy anything else. Right. That, that yeah. wouldn't surprise me. That's definitely happened with GTA games in the past. But otherwise, it might just be weirdly, hey, we're putting everything on sale real quick this year. Um, yeah. I kind of suspect that Starlink probably didn't do super well in general, though. Um, I feel like Ubisoft would have been out, you know fucking swinging from the rafters going look how good our toys to life thing is doing people thought toys to life was dead and i think instead they're like oh maybe they were right (laughs) which is a shame because it seems good i'm gonna pick up i might end up just getting the digital one because i don't need the toys but um yeah i I like the toys (laughs) it's the thing yeah i can't see myself buying another toy and I can't see myself buying another digital one either. Yeah. I can't see but me it... ever buying the any of the like the non switch one. Like the thing that makes me want the toy for it is Fox. Is, is I want yeah, I want the R Wing, I want the Star Fox one. I would maybe buy one other one not for the ship itself. Cause it, the ship designs that I've seen from that game look fine and uh, whatever thing is i just don't really care about having a toy for those ships the thing i would like uh-huh. from them is the guns and the wings to combine them with the ship that i do like yes sir. so it's that weird kind of situation um yeah i, I don't know I'll, it keeps going to it, sale it'll probably be like yeah in a couple of months i'll buy it then. it's a really 
I am enjoying the game that I'm playing of it. You you just need to kind of work around this entire weird thing. Yeah, which to be fair, they let you. Choice to life thing. They yeah, have the, they have it built in to work around it. It's not a. It's not like you're, you know, connecting it to a, a second pair of Joy Cons to trick it into thinking that, you know, the things connected is not. Or yes. Stuff like that, which I don't know if that works, but you know, it's not. It's not like you're doing something to trick it into working. It's just a case of. Yeah. The oh, new. I, yeah. So one more thing can do as well play split screen co-op on this all right and you can do it out the box with that's why they give you two ships ah, that's really cool yeah. i wonder if all the versions so, do that then yeah they, the well they must one. do yeah it so it'd be interesting to see what ships they give you then yeah it'd be two of the starting ones i guess yeah they're strange um but yeah so uh i will I'm plodding away with it, playing it now and again. Um, so, quite good. I check this space and see how we get on. But yeah, I would suggest if you can get it, definitely check it. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, if you can find it cheap. Yes. So, have we spoke about Save Me Mr. Tackle before? I think we have. I think we did, but I don't think I played... I don't actually have a massive amount to save about it still. Right, I okay. Keep, I keep wanting to like that game because it has charm and the writing's quite good. And it's definitely going for this kind of like Game Boy Kirby kind of feel. Um, but there's just something about like the jumping in that game that I don't really like very much. People don't know, Save Me Mr. Chaco is like a 2D platformer. It's got very kind of Game Boy style, uh, like art style. Like right. Barely any colours. You can... They actually dedicated the the bumpers on the switch. The was is ZR and ZL or just R and L. I always forget which way around those two are. Um, but they dedicated those buttons to just changing the color scheme on the fly. So you can just switch the color scheme of the game as you're going through, and it defaults to like the the horrible green Game Boy colors from the original Game Boy. Right. Um, but you can switch it to like an orange and a blue, and there's like a weird inverted one that makes my eyes bleed. Um, but it's it's interesting. This I feel like it's a game that if I get past like the intro of it, because I'm still very early in it. If I, I think if I power through the intro, I'll probably end up enjoying it. But it's weird. You play as like a little octopus guy. The world of the octopuses, the octopi, they're going to war with humans because they have a big empire, and the humans are like, we want an empire, and the octopi are like, motherfuckers, we're under war. Um. And so you're fighting humans, and princesses right. come and yeah, basically you're going to war with the humans, and all the octopi are like really fucking nationalistic, like fish, like fascistic, the fucking octopi are going about, and they're like, oh, we're doing this for the country. It's like, honorable to murder tons of humans, and it's like this tiny, this little Kirby style art style with really cutesy graphics and bright, cheery music and stuff like that, and they're all going about like. We're gonna go exterminate the humans. It's like this is an odd <laughs> game, and I kind of love that stuff about it. Um, and there's like some gameplay elements that I'm enjoying, but I just need to get further into it. Like it, it definitely feels like they were inspired by Kirby. You don't have the Kirby kind of thing where you eat 
enemies and get their abilities, but instead you do collect hats as you play through the game. Right, okay. And the hats will give you different abilities. So, for example, I've got one that gives me an extra bit of health. So as long as I've got this hat and it's like a, you know, it's like kind of like wire. Um, they're not really tiaras. They're kind of just fake little costumey things. But they're like kind of like wire halos that will wrap around your forehead and then they have like a straight up bit at the back with something connected to them. Usually it would be like an actual kind of halo to have an angelic thing. Um, right. Like one of those, but it's just got like a heart that dangles over the top of your head. Um, and then I got one that's like a kind of ranger's cap and it changes like ranger as in the class. No, it's in not, the... Not the Scottish football team. Not the Scottish football team. I just realised that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you have like a, a an archer hat um, that changes your main attack. Because your main attack is you shoot little balls of ink because you're an octopus. And it changes that so that instead you shoot arrows out. Which doesn't change a lot, uh, but they can like travel they travel slightly differently do more damage and they can activate different switches that you couldn't activate before and stuff like that um but the bit that so like i've not been super impressed with most of it so far like the levels i've played through have kind of been fine the one bit that i've really enjoyed that is making me think that i should really power through the start and get further in because if it's more like that i think it'll probably be good Mm -hmm. it's relatively early on you go into a a temple and they have this little dungeon with like some puzzle solving and stuff like that in it. And that stuff's all really good. So I'm kind of hoping there's more of that later on. Um, but I just don't know yet. So. Cool. But it has a cool name, if nothing else, because it's called Save Me Mr. Taco. Which is a good yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely going to play more of it. It's on Switch. I think it's only on Switch just now. Yeah, I think so. I'm not um, 100% sure myself. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Um... Like I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend it because there's so many good 2D platformers on the Switch. Um, which part of the reason I picked up is because I'm trying to do like YouTube videos and stuff like that about things we would recommend that are maybe not quite as big as you know the most popular things. But I don't know if this one's gonna. I don't know if I'm ma- making a video about this one. We'll find out. Right. Okay. Um. But yeah, talking about things on the Switch. Yes. Tell me about your civilization, Mike. Oh. So we spoke. I just got into Civilization Six when we did the last podcast. I have now been playing. I've played a total of twenty-five hours at least. I have. Most of that was on one single game. So I think I. Yeah, I completed one game. And I think, trying to say how much of that time, probably about 15 hours, I think. You know, between 15, at least 15 hours was one game. And played from start to finish. And I won the game and it was on a points victory. So I didn't, I wasn't able to do the cultural victory, the scientific victory or the domination victory. Okay. I usually uh, go for domination victories because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> well, I was I, I was playing the game and I'm still... So when we spoke the last time, I'd said, you know, this is my 
first civil as my next civilization civilization game from Civrev. Yeah. So I I kind of stuck with Civilization because I wasn't playing too much on PC. I dabbled a little bit with five, but not too much. And I am I've been getting caught up in the whole uh, neighborhood uh, district and how the districts worked. Yeah. So they're a weird system. Yeah, I, and it does feel like at the beginning of the game, it wants you to focus all your energy on one city rather than when you used to play other civilization games, even, well, especially Civilization Revolution. What you would do is you would create a city, you would then get a military unit to defend it, then after that, you would build a civili- uh, settler and then send that settler out. While he's built, making a new city, the city that you've got you would then start making a barracks or you know a granary or something like that yeah you'd be you have this, yeah you would have a production line where once one city is now working on its upgrades and building it building itself up one city is building your units and the other one is just churning out settlers for you to go yeah. out and, and expand what and then once you've got your network and as much land as you can then you start you know building your civilization there this feels different in that it wants you to you know start and and work on a city and and build it up as much as you can and oh by the way you may as well get a settler once you've done a little bit of things as well yeah it definitely kind of well not necessarily focuses but it kind of it's kind of the way that it it's pointing you generally you in the direction especially when they it tells you how long got you know so a game a game lasts 500 turns mm-hmm. um and yeah it was i found the game was quite a bit of a slog right up until about maybe turn 300 sudden everything was happening and i it wasn't like oh right okay that was slow that was a drag it felt perfectly paced. It was a long work to get to that point. And then all of a sudden things were just happening. And that's when you have to make the decision about what what kind of victory are you going for? You should, to be fair, you should have that plan when you first start go, right, I think yeah. I'll go, I'll try and, you know, everything I build will be culture-based so I can go for the culture win and get the tourists in. Or I'm going to go for the, the religious victory and get everyone to convert to my religion. Uh, I am still really bad at the game. I'm just, <laughs> I I was kind of, I saw things that were working and I think that's why I won on a score because I, I picked on one or two, you know, a couple of things and I was doing all of them rather than, focusing on one and by the time I figured out the, the mechanics of the game and started to focus on one of them there was no way in hell I was going to get the scientific victory and then when it became apparent I wasn't going to get this uh, scientific victory I went for the cultural victory and I was, I was probably about 10, 10 turns away from doing it I could have done it in another 10 turns but yeah very enjoyable very good a uh, couple of things that I love civilization 6 is the music have you noticed the music in it oh, don't mind me drop the mouse 
I had Fair my mouse on my leg so it wouldn't make much noise next to my uh, microphone and then that backfired when I threw it onto the floor. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out. So the music in Civ 6 is, and I'm just talking about once you start the game, uh, again, I think Christopher Tin's done all the music. So that um, was the guy that did, did Civ. I don't think he did the main theme this time. Oh, right. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Um, I, I, I just assume to be fair, so I could be wrong as well. But I know he did uh, quite a bit of the music. Yeah. But basically, when you each of the the tribes and the leaders have mm. a theme. Okay, and so for example, if you pick the Australians, the Australians plays a piece of music and it's waltzing Matilda but the cool thing about it is that well first of all there's a, like I said each tribe has a, a theme uh, they've got waltzing Matilda uh, uh, Victoria the English have got Scarborough Fair and what happens is you as you meet all of the people on the map and all these different civilizations become uh, visible to you, their music gets added in. So mm -hmm. you end up with, is it eight people you play against? Eight civilizations? Uh, it depends on the size of the game you're playing. But... Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, let's say there's eight, you have these eight different pieces of music cycling through as you play the game. But then the cool thing is as you go from age to age, the music you get different remixes of it yeah you get kind so, of more modern sounding ones as time goes on yes yeah you get modern versions and things like that and it's really cool i i really like that i thought it was a really nice nice touch yeah, the music nice. evolves as you go through the different ages i thought that was really cool i like the the way that they've done the great people this time as well so you can inspire different people to come through and see you. And <clears throat> sorry, I just had some weird thing happening on my watch, and I wasn't too sure what was coming through. <laughs> um, That's worrying. You, you just got the heart rate update today for your watch, so be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've got these people you can inspire, and they can come to you. And depending on what you build in your cities will give you points and you can get great people points but you can get different types of people you can get economists um, strategists military leaders artists yeah. musicians all these different people and once you get them into your city it says you know you get this menu up and it says you have the ability of recruiting this person to your civilization do you want to do so and you could pass because you might not be going for the type of victory for the benefits they give you so you can say yes or no and once you get them if it's a writer they give you a little quote of their famous work that they're bringing <laughs> with you um so i h.e. wells been reading you a bit of worlds yeah because it's one of the, the pieces of work uh that he creates when you like him and if you get a then it plays a little piece of music all of the, the quotes and stuff like that, they're all read out by Sean Bean himself. Yes. 
<laughs> I, that's actually one of my favorite things. But it's like they have. I, I mean, they yeah. always had um, uh, Leonard Nimoy did it in all the previous games, but obviously passed away before six was made. Right. Um, so, or maybe didn't. I can't remember if he passed away. Before, I think he passed away before six was made. Regardless, like he was not. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. He was not in a place to do it for six. Um, but Sean Bean fucking nails it. Like he's very good at it. At this very yes. Like deliberate kind of um, reading out of all these quotes, it's it just fits. Like he, he does a good job. Yeah, uh, it is really good. I like that. Uh, the music is one of my favorite things as well. Mm-hmm. I also had a shot of playing one of the scenarios. Yeah, so this is something that's interesting because I've not tried these. Despite owning this game on PC for a while, I've never <laughs> never touched them. Yeah. So we got uh, the. DLC that we got with the Switch version of the game has got various scenarios. The one that I tried is the one that's based in Australia and it's called the mm-hmm. Outback Tycoon. And basically, all of these scenarios is, give you things that uh, different units, uh, there's different civilizations, different leaders and things that you can only play within the, the scenario section. Yeah. And I that's really cool. It, it adds to the game and it gives you almost like a different game that you're playing. So the Outback Tycoon is it takes 60 turns to do and what you do is you start off with this blank map of Australia. You've basically got the shape of it and you've got an explorer and you can sail around and pick a spot then you set, you know, uh, use your settler to build a city and you will get more settlers as you go on. And the idea is to build, you know, it is a civilization. Yeah, you other four civil, other three civilizations to settle in Australia. Um, you've got different things that you can harvest, and it it starts off. You can use farmers, and you can farm the land, but you can only farm certain things. Until and you need to research different technologies and things like that. So one of the first things you need to research is irrigation. Mm-hmm. Get irrigation, then you can farm fruit. Uh, you need to learn animal husbandry, so you can work. You know, farm animals. You can create prospectors, then you can create grazers, and there's all. It's different things from the main game. Which is cool as well. The object of the game to be each game has a, a gold threshold, you know, and depending on the difficulty. Once you get the the gold per turn, I think for the prince, if you get five hundred gold per turn, you automatically win the game. Okay. Or at the the end of the sixty turns, whoever's closest to that wins. So I kind of like that because there isn't a there isn't like a gold victory condition in the base game. Yes, yeah, and uh, in this scenario, there's no combat. There's no combat, and there's no combat units. That's cool. So yeah, it's. I was really bad at it, but I kind of got to the end of the sixty turns. And the other cool thing that Civilization Six does is it's got one more turn mode. 
So you can afterwards, normally in previous civilization games with the ones that I played anyway, the you know once you got to the end of the turn that was it game over see ya bye bye start a new game here you can continue just for the just for the sake of yeah. building now they've had that for the last couple it's definitely one that right because in five in particular launch it was really easy to kind of fall into victories um, all in right particular culture stuff like culture victories were just super easy and set five at one point um, by the end, like once they got all the expansions out and stuff, they kind of dealt with it. But yeah, there's definitely points where I had accidentally won a culture victory, and I was like, "But I was invading people. I'm going to keep <laughs> going." And yeah, it pops up, and it's just like you can keep going. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I was firing nukes at this guy. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm really liking this game as well. I've not played as much for on Switch as you have. Um, right, but I'm gonna play more. I tried to play it on the tram on the way home yesterday. Uh huh. And my tram takes me about four or so stops to get home. And I turned on Civ Six on the first stop, like when I got on, and it was still loading by the third stop. And I was like, "Well, I'm not playing this today. Then <laughs> I guess I'm not. <laughs> this is not gonna make my tram right." Um, uh, the load times are quite long they were especially I think I actually just got a bug there because they're usually quite long but that was just silly um, but yeah it was I was going to play it and I was like you can't no sorry <laughs> load it before you leave a flat I guess yes uh, um, yeah I'm really liking it it's it's really good it's just it is a massive time sink yeah definitely uh, it's, more kind of shame, it's kind of a shame it doesn't have online multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, that would have been at the very least like the kind of you know play by mail one that they've had in previous games where you could you know take your turn and send it to someone else, which takes yes. forever, but you know you can it's at least doable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Maybe. But yes, been been very good. Yeah. So one of the things. I've uh, when you go to the create the game, you know you, you need to you pick your uh, person that you want to play as, and you pick your difficulty and the game speed, which is fine. But the when it comes to the maps, so does it automatically put the number of people in there just to fit that map? Um, I don't know. Uh, you can definitely adjust it. Right. But I don't know if like it defaults or something. I assume right. But you could definitely yeah. go like, here's this map, put twice as many people on it as you want, and it'll be super, you know, super yeah. crowded. That's definitely a thing you can do. Right, okay. So you can you can actually pick how many people you want on it. Yeah, I know you can I don't, pick... I don't know if there's like a maximum set for any of them. Yeah, I know you can pick the number of city-states you have. Yeah, you can do that as well. Um, yeah, and then when it comes to the map, you pick, uh, you know, the, they normally have, like, tiny... Oh, I see it. When you go into... You need to go into the options. Yeah. And it, it shows you at the top how many people. So if you pick a tiny map, there's only going to be four people in there, but there'll be six. Yeah, yeah. 
there'll be but six think, city states. I think even then you can set. I think the map size is still just a recommendation, though. So it'll be like this is a a tiny map. It can fit up to six people in it. But I think you can then also set it to only be like three. Ah, right. Okay. Tons of space, or probably more as well. I'm not hundred percent sure. You could definitely do that in five. So it, it'd be kind of weird if you couldn't in six. Right. Yeah, because I played on, and I ended up with. Yeah, there was like millions of us on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it did mean that, you know, you had quite a, a good chance to spread out before uh, before everyone yeah. kind of showed up. I don't know if, I, I think I might have said this in the last podcast, explains what happened to me, but in my Civ 6 game that I got going on the Switch, because I'm still playing my first one, um, right. I started... I try to think of a kind of comparable landmass. Like I started on kind of the basic continents map, which is Earth-ish. You know, it's it's roughly Earth-ish. It kind of splits it into, you know, two or three big continents that are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're they resemble what our planet looks like, but not really. Um, I started on. It kind of looks like it would be like. Spain slash Portugal, that kind of, you know, like the end of Europe, you know, to the west, although it's actually on the east in my map. But yeah, it's kind of that shape, and it's right on the end of this big continent, and it's kind of got a bit of a choke point before it connects to the rest of the continent. And so I built my cities there, spread out, took over what, you know, this kind of Spain-like landmass. But there were still a couple of gaps there. And uh-huh. so later in the game, when everyone started running out of space to build cities and started expanding anywhere they could, the AI placed... Brazil has placed three tiny little cities that have literally, like, you know, two... Not even two, like, one uh, surrounding hex around each, you know, part of the city. Like, it's so close to my borders. Like, it has nowhere to expand. And that's all they could do. Um, and there's three of those like surrounding some of my stuff in this area and then Russia also did one and so I was like fuck this and now everyone thinks I'm a warmonger because I was like get your goddamn cities off my island you motherfuckers <laughs> when yes, I started kicking I, I them all accused, out yeah I was accused of being a warmonger I wasn't too happy it passes over time but it takes a lot of time um, yeah no it, it didn't for me <laughs> there's things that well yeah I guess if you finish the game as well um, there's things that change it like you're you will be considered more of a warmonger if you take over a say you'll be considered more of a warmonger if you keep the say <laughs> you'll be more of a warmonger if you take their capital say etc right it's basically just to make the AI angry at you if you're heading towards a military victory because obviously that's bad for them right um but yeah, everyone thinks I'm a warmonger. So every other turn, people are like, we denounce you. And I'm like, I don't care. I've got an army now. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah. It's a good game. I need to yes. Play yes, definitely. I need to play more as well. So Cool. So, yeah, that's uh, the Civ 6 chat done for this week. Uh sure um, <laughs> last thing we've got to talk about in the video games is Soul Calibur 4 uh, is that what I typed in it because that's definitely not right Soul Calibur 6 
That's right. I read wrong. Yes, I read wrong. I, you know, I'm pretty tired. It would not surprise me if I had wrote Soul Calibur 4. <laughs> Let's talk about Soul Calibur 4. It's got, you know, it's got some Jedi in it. It's yeah, it's got Star Wars. Um, it's rubbish. It's the worst Soul Calibur game. <laughs> yes. Um, some people would argue 5. Some people would argue 3. I liked both those. 4, though. Irredeemable. Um, no, Soul Calibur 6. I've been playing more of it. Um, more of the online stuff, as you know, I've mentioned before. Uh played online, won some matches, lost some matches, you know, the usual stuff. I'm still uh-huh. enjoying playing as Geralt from The Witcher. He is a good fit for that game, I think. He works really well. Cool. I also started learning to play Yoshimitsu, because he's cool. He can walk on his swords. <laughs> yes. Um, but the main thing, I re- the main reason I want to talk about it again is just that I started playing a bunch of the single player mode, or one of the single player modes, there's a few. The main one, uh, whose name I can't remember. Uh, but basically, you create like a create a create a character and get dumped into this uh, world map that has a mm. bunch of story stuff. Kind of, it's not. It's kind of visual novelly. You know, there's like you know, talking heads and there's a bunch of text that you read to go through the story, and you'll get some dialogue choices here and there. Some moral decisions, and you can be good or evil depending on it. And apparently, the story will change depending on that. Oh, right, um, okay. Which is all pretty cool. But the basic premise is uh, Cervantes, I believe, had the Soul Edge and he did a bunch of evil shit. And yes. There's these giant rifts appearing all over the world that evil zombie like demons are coming out of. And right. you're technically one of these demons, but you're not bad yet, so you're going to help shut down all these rifts because you have the power to do it. Um, right. And you do this by fighting people in Soul Calibur fights. Which is really good. Um, but it's kind of... It reminds me of um, Soul Calibur 2's story mode, but it's actually a bit more in-depth than that. It's, so it has this map that has different points on it that you can go between. And there'll be different like missions that you can go to there that'll have things like, you know, there'll be story missions that'll have like a bunch of story around them, it's all this visual novel style, you get choices, etc. Or you'll do fights. But then you also get like side missions, so you can go do some side missions that'll just be like, oh, you found a a sign that said bandits would be attacking in this area, and then if you go to that area instead, then you'll get a fight there, and you'll do that, and you'll get some kind of reward, whether it's money, or... Uh, you'll get food which you can equip for fights that will give different effects so if you get you know certain food will like make make it so that your horizontal attacks all heal slightly whenever you whenever they hit uh, right like that and they just give you a buff basically and uh different weapons as well and you'll get different weapons you can equip that have higher stats so it's got this kind of light RPG element to it. You'll level up and get experience as well so that you get stronger as you go through it. Um, right, okay. And also some of the weapons you'll find are level capped, so it'll be like you can't do, use this until you're level 8 or whatever. Um, I am really liking it so far. It's this kind of light RPG that you know, you're moving around doing all this kind of story stuff and this kind of you know, uh, side mission stuff and things like that. And then going into Soul Calibur fights. And the Soul Calibur fights have uh, kind of unique things built onto them sometimes. Like, a lot of the time, they're not just... They're not just fight a guy or fight a guy that's got buffs. 
you'll go into it and they'll have certain conditions. So it'll be like um, uh, horizontal attacks do way more damage, or kicks are the only ones that do damage. Yeah. Um, or you can, so they, they yeah they've done that before, haven't they? In yeah. So two previous games. Like this. Um, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, it's a lot like two single player mode, but so right. they didn't really have this kind of RPG wrapper around it. At least I don't remember it having that. Two, right? If I remember right, it was a lot more kind of linear. It was just go through all these stages, and there was some side stuff you could do, but it was kind of more straightforward. But at the very least, it's very similar to that. That is definitely they've definitely done it before. Um, but it's really good. So like I, I really liked it in those previous games, and I'm glad that they've done that because the last couple of Soul Calibur games were really lacking on the single player front front. Like five had a really basic single player mode that was just a story mode and didn't do much. It wasn't great. Four barely had anything. I think it's part of the reason I didn't like four that much is because four single player was basically not there. Um, which is a shame. Whereas this feels a lot more like those. It feels a lot more like the PS2 games in terms of like their focus on. We want to have a good single player in this. Um, it's something that I was actually I was talking to someone else earlier, and they pointed out that after Street Fighter Five, it feels like every fighting game learned its lesson. So I don't remember Street Fighter Five came out. The main complaint was that it didn't even have an arcade mode. Like it had nothing single player. It was literally just, "Hey, here's a multiplayer game." Uh huh. And it bombed. <laughs> Did really poorly for a Street Fighter game. Like, it's still being played competitively because it's arguably, like, the best playing Street Fighter game, but it is not selling Street Fighter numbers because what they released was unfinished and they eventually turned it around, but it was too late. But when uh-huh. every fighting game that has came out since then, uh, bar a couple here and there, all the big ones have been like, okay, cool, we should probably not do that. You know, Tekken was like, well, if we had a big story mode... People seem to want that. Yeah. You know, what if we have big story mode and arcade mode and we'll add Tekken Bowling to the season pass for crazy people? Um, you know, Soul Calibur has all these expansive single-player modes. Uh, Smash Brothers comes out tomorrow and also has pretty sizable story modes judging from the reviews and stuff like that that hit today. It, yeah. If it just feels like everyone saw what happened to Street Fighter and was like, ah, fuck, let's not, let's not do that. Street Fighter was a big name. It's still a big name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Um. But yeah, so Cover Six's story stuff is fantastic so far. Um. And then it has another like full story mode. Other than the one I'm playing just now, because this one's right. like a big kind of RPG thing that you create a character and you do all this stuff. The other one's a more straightforward story mode that has cutscenes and uh, it's not as elaborate as Tekken's from what little I've played of it. Like a lot of it is still kind of visual novel style, like you know, floating heads and text. Uh, right. But okay. Got, I think most, if not all, of it is voice acted, but it doesn't have like full cutscenes like Tekken did. Um, but it's it. You know that seems to just be a full story mode that goes through you know the story of each of the characters from the roster, whereas this other one is more based around your create a character and other characters show up here and there. Like I just met Mitsurugi. Um, so yeah, like it's 
Soul Calibur 6 is the first fighting game in a while that I feel like I can go, hey, if you're only going to play this single player, you should totally buy this one. Like, this is... They thought about you this time. Cool. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was tempted to pick it up and I was going to when it was on sale on PSN at the weekend there and then I thought the sale was going to continue and I thought I would have enough time to get it this weekend and it's already off sale so yeah I think it was only for a weekend which is weird they yeah didn't, they didn't really advertise that properly yeah they well. Yeah, so I was really confused because I thought it was. I think we both thought the same thing. We thought it was just the Christmas sale. It's like what they've done in previous years, where they'd have a sale and they'd add things more every week or rotate things out every week. But it seems more like it's you. It's on sale for the weekend, and then it stops, and then next week it'll start again. Yeah, which is odd. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I don't really pretend to to get it. So yeah. But cool. I think that's it for video games. Is there anything board games or anything that you board game wise that you talk about? Um, not that I've played. Um, I will say. Let's see, Mike. I have a yes. question for you. Yes. So, if someone repelled all bugs from being around you. Yes. Like, they activate a bug repellent bubble. It has a 20 foot radius. Bugs are pushed out of the bubble. The bubble is safe. And they can right. turn off the ability if for some reason you love bugs. Okay. But, they have a duck penis. <laughs> their penis corkscrews. It springs out of their body quickly. It stretches out over a long distance. They grow a new penis yearly. Is that a thing that ducks do? That's fucking weird. Grows bigger if competition is near, and it has barbs ah. on the end to scrape Ooh. out competing sperm. Would you, would you date them? Ooh. Um, the barbs thing is... Yeah, um, the barbs definitely... I mean, all of it sounds bad, but the barbs definitely sounds like, oh, God, definitely not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bug repellent, and then the... I don't... Uh, the, and then I'm going to get the shit scraped out of me. Literally. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't really mind bugs that much. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd. Uh, I think I'd uh, pass oh, on wow. that one. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so my expansion for uh, the first expansion for Billionaire Bank- Banshee showed up. The first big expansion. They've done like little booster packs. Right. Uh, that showed up. I haven't played it properly yet. I've just read random ones out to you over Discord, which has been fun because that game is fun for that. Um, but yeah, I've not actually played anything yet. Yeah. So, um, well, let me ask you. So, if you could date somebody, and they are never angry, they okay. experience every other emotion. They are calm in stressful situations. Uh, Four-hour traffic doesn't phase them, and they accept you whenever you're angry. Okay, but. They are a skeleton named Jeffrey. Oh yeah, no, I'm in. I don't need the explanation of Jeffrey. I'm in. You're you're in. A fucking <laughs> like chill as fuck skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Brilliant Banshee. It is. 
is one of those games that you can just sit and, and fart about like, just like we've done there or you can you know you can play with your friends and you try and uh, guess what they would do would they yeah, go out with the person or not yeah um there's the various uh weight game uh games that they've come up with as well there's like a blind date variant and stuff like that as well which is quite cool but uh, i got my version or yeah my kickstarter copy of the expansion to dinosaur island arrived yes along, along with the the two-player game uh, which is called Julesaur Island mm-hmm. so arrived today I, I know it is it's a horror I'm sure, I'm sure the game's good fucking hell. <laughs> I know but the uh, yeah so I had a look at the the expansion which is called Totally Liquid mm-hmm. and it is basically loads of modular parts that you can add to the game now when we spoke about Dinosaur Island at the beginning of the year I think was when we first played it the game is it's an awesome worker placement game I enjoy it Uh, it's and it's got all this stuff it's just lots and lots of stuff for you to to play with all the little dinosaur meeples and you can build all the paddocks and put all those things on you can now do more so you can build aquatic pens to keep uh, aquatic dinosaurs you can add different uh, plans into your so blue pl- do, no, excuse me blueprints into your dinosaur park so you need to build it in like a you know a specific way you have to have you know three paddocks next to each other then you need to have a fast food joint then and you get bonus points if you manage to f- uh, build your park the shape of this blueprint yeah. you can there's all sorts you can add in uh a goat pen so what the goat pen does is in the game you've got the threat level and the the more dangerous dinosaurs you build and create you your threat level increases mm-hmm. if you build the goat pen you your threat level can decrease for every goat because you're feeding them to the <laughs> to the meat eaters to the <laughs> and you get these uh the deluxe version of the game which is the version that i'd picked up comes with these little goat meeples <laughs> which is awesome i but it is it there's just so much stuff the game box for dinosaur island if you remember kieran the box can't fit everything in it as it is and now the expansion box is the exact same. It was jam-packed. I, I, it's one of those games that I'm probably not going to be able to play the expansion with with somebody if it's not in this house mm-hmm. because it, it's you know it's, it's that much yeah it's that much stuff to to transport. Like the biggest thing that the play like Rising Sun with other people <laughs> it's just like I can't yes. move this. Yeah, so the uh, the biggest thing that this version or this expansion brings is a fifth player, which is very useful. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, because um, it a, it's a two to four player game. Oh, it's a one player game as well. It's got solo rules. But yeah, four player max, and now you can get a fifth player. Looking forward to having a fiddle about with that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know about you. I've I've had quite a few 
board games come in from Kickstarters, and I haven't even had a chance to look at them uh, this time of year. Yeah, I've had I've not had that many. I've had a couple. Um, Billionaire Banshee was definitely the most recent. Yeah, I had a one before that was Australia. So that's oh, yeah. the Martin. Yeah, that's the Martin Wallace game, and it's the basically it's the spiritual sequel to a study in Emerald. Yeah, but study study in Emerald. That's the the Cthulhu based game, Cthulhu and Sherlock Holmes based game. Mm-hmm. Story was written by Neil Gaiman. And it's set in Victorian England. This is the kind of sequel set in the same world. And it's in Australia, where people have went to Australia to create a new world, new life. And the old ones, that's where they were, they retreated to. So the the old ones are there and they're busy recovering. And humanity has just plodded in there with its big size tens. And it's going to be... Yeah, <laughs> it's true because everything in Australia wants to bite you, eat you, or it kill you. Have, it's... It does have large, weird creatures that don't seem like they're of this world. Yeah, um, I love the inspiration for the game. Is that he made he made the game because he he's obviously thought these bloody beasties cannot be of this world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was another one I got that came in. Uh, I got the Tiny Epic Zombies, which was the latest the Tiny Epic. Um, yeah, so a lot of games. We need to get a game day soon. Yeah, definitely. At this rate, it's not going to be for a while, unfortunately. But yes, No, no. So the last yeah. few have just been Charterstone, which as much as I love Charterstone, I need to play other stuff. I need, yes. I need to play more stuff. I love Charterstone. But... Well, I think what we need to do is uh, we need to just batter on but we find um, when we're playing Charleston because we're playing with you know our, our significant others as well I find that they're happy to play two games and that's it yeah. whereas you you and I'd happily sit and you know spend the whole day not eating not doing anything <laughs> else except battering through like just seven games of it and finishing it yeah uh, and they're like we play one game and they're ready for walking away and, Ke- and Kieran's like are we going to play another game? And oh well, if we must. <laughs> I think it also always depends on what we get towards the end. Like I think some of the. I think yes. I just because so, how Charleston yeah. works, like we definitely got to the point. Of, we've got to the end of a couple of those games, and we've been like, "All right, we need to play another one now because." Yes. Yeah. We understand how this mechanic works now, or we all have this thing now, and blah 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 blah, and then yeah. Or last yeah. time it was like the thing that ended the last one. It was like this is quite a good ending point. Like this is a good. It will make sense yes. when we come back and have this new mechanic to work with. Yeah, yeah. It's a natural so was... cutting off point. Yeah. So, yeah. cool. Have we got anything else to talk about? Uh, I have some news. Cool. What have you got? So, Oh, God. We have... Uh... Do you remember the game Below? Below? So for the... Below, below, below. Uh, the roguelike dungeon crawler below. Oh yes, made by yeah. Cappy Games. Yes, for the Xbox One and PC, was announced in fuck I don't know, it's like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Right. 
Uh, it was originally unveiled more than five years ago during Microsoft's E3 2013 press briefing. At the time, it was in development solely for the Xbox One. And it was announced in 2016 it was delaying the game indefinitely. Uh, they just announced it's coming out next week. Cool. Which is cool. I like that. I like that they're like, look, we're struggling to make this game. We had to go radio silent for a couple of years, but it's out like tomorrow. So, here you go. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, when you resurface, go, it's done. You know, you've been waiting for five years. <laughs> Wait another yeah, seven cool. days. I like that. Um, that game looks cool. I'll probably pick up on PC. Um, hopefully, good. It'd be a real shame if they spend that long working on it and it turns out to not be amazing. Right, yeah. Um, but still, it's cool. Um,. The PlayStation Classic Mini came out this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Came out yesterday, I think. Was, I think. Uh, was it? I th- yeah, I thought it was like Tuesday or something. I think. Yeah, I think we were right. I think it came out on Tuesday. Um, it's apparently not very good. Uh, no. I think, we, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago because people had already got early versions of it. But from the looks of it, it. It doesn't. It comes bundled with uh, twenty games, but a bunch of them are the EU versions of games, and as a result, it means people have to suffer through. It's not as big an issue for us, but people have to suffer through things we had to suffer through before, which is they are PAL versions of the game. They run at fifty hertz instead of sixty. I mean, they're capped at fifty frames a second instead of sixty, but even then, it doesn't actually hit that most of the time. So the frame rate is kind of all over the place. Right. In some cases, these things are also letterbox and things because fifty hertz. PAL versions of games weren't just different, uh, different hertz. They were also different uh, resolutions. So a lot of games were just they just had uh, borders at the top and bottom to make up the difference. Right. Um, but like, there's no good reason for it in this day and age. Like all TVs everywhere can run sixty hertz things. There's no good reason to pack in the PAL version of things. So a bunch of games in that don't run very well. Apparently they run even worse than just being because it's an older it's you know, the PAL version of the game. Apparently the machine cannot handle it for some reason. Um which Digital Foundry seemed slightly confused by because they cracked one open, looked at the innards and were like, This is pretty fast. Like this is a pretty decent little machine they've got in here. Right. Um so it's a bit confusing. Uh, it seems like maybe the operating system it's built on is kind of somewhat Android-based, so maybe that's a bit resource-intensive or something. But regardless, right, okay. it seems like it's not a good thing. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's worth the money. Um, but people have been trying to crack it open because that's what people do with these hardware things. You know, it's part of the appeal for the Super Nintendo Mini for me was that I could dump a bunch of other Super Nintendo games that I illegally owned. Yes. Maybe. Um, <laughs> as far as you're concerned, I see you in the corner, cop. Um, but yeah, like it's that's kind of the appeal of these things is build dump more stuff on it. But if this one can actually run the games very well, like I don't care really that much if I can dump Parappa the Rapper in this if it doesn't run at sixty frames second. Right. Um, but people found that you could plug uh. Certain types of USB keyboards you can plug in and press the escape key and it will just open up the debug menu. Yeah, this is... How did that manage to ship? 
so <laughs> it only happens on certain keyboards. So um, I forget his name. I should really know his name. It's a pain in the butt. Um, one of the digital foundry guys. He's like very, uh, like he's a very active member of like the reset era forums and stuff like that as well. Um, right. He was talking about how he went. He t- he took his he took his PlayStation Classic with him to like a local uh, PC shop and plugged in every keyboard he could find to try and find one that did it. Uh, find right. one. He's like, if I can't find one, I'm just going to throw this fucking thing out a window. It's like, fair enough. Um, yeah, so like people have found like one or two types of keyboards that work, and then for the most part, they just don't. So I don't know. It's weird. It's like maybe they installed a driver for like one keyboard onto this thing so that they could debug some stuff, and then didn't bother removing it because they were just like, who's going to use that one keyboard on here? What are they? Else? Right. And as it turns yeah. out, relatively high, I guess. Someone did it. Um, it's bizarre. But yeah, like in debug menus, there's some like graphic settings and stuff. It's just a... There's nothing like surprising in there because it's using the open source uh, PCSX rearmed emulator, which has been around for a while. So people knew what all the options would be anyway. But it's just weird that you can access it at all. Um, yeah. Then people started hacking it a bit more, and they pulled out a list of games from it. And from what they, what people are guessing, because most of the games, like there's a hundred odd games, not hundred, but there's a, there's a lot of games on it. Um, but they're just like name files. They're not. They're like names and images. They're not. You know, it's not the full game. The game is not there. They're things for like the front end menu. And so people mm-hmm. were just like, did they just dump a bunch of games on here to test them and then choose the 20 they were going to ship with and just delete the rest? Like, it's weird that all these files are on here for these games. Right. Um, because it's not like they're going to... It doesn't have an internet connection, so it's not like they're going to have a way to buy games on it or something. Yeah. So it's, it's odd. Um, all, everything about that, I'm glad I cancelled my pre-order. Is my main takeaway from it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Uh, it just it was a very quite a strange decision that they did. Yeah, it was like strange decision after strange decision. Like the games list isn't great. It has a couple of things I would have wanted. Like the you know it has Metal Gear Solid. It's the the kind of make or break for me is kind of Metal Gear Solid, but it doesn't have dual shot controllers. Not even dual analog controllers. It is just uh-huh. old ass original PlayStation One controller. So even like Melgar Solid supported the dual analog. It's bizarre. And then yeah, then bit after bit where it's like it doesn't run super well. It's you know got all these weird little quirks, and it's like it's an odd choice. Yeah. Um. Maybe don't buy one. It's my suggestion. But hey, yeah. I'm not the boss of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. The- like now I'll be skipping that one for the time being. Yeah. yeah. Um another news, Epic Games is making its own store, its own digital store to compete right, with okay. Steam. Uh it's gonna come out twenty nineteen. Their main thing that they're doing is they're kind of pushing themselves as a competitor to Steam. Like they're pushing themselves as basically towards the things that people complain about about Steam. 
So they're not doing forums and user reviews and stuff like that, which on Steam are frequently filled with people spamming like horrible abusive shit. Um, yeah. Or review bombing games that do something they dislike, like have women in them, those monsters. Um, so they're not doing that stuff. They're like, we're just not, we're not doing that stuff. They're going to apparently hand curate the games, which oh, okay. is something Steam doesn't do. Steam went the opposite way recently and was like, fuck it, everything can come on. Um, they are going to... The big one, actually, the probably the biggest of all these, is they are going to have a much more generous revenue split than Steam has. So Steam has a flat 70-30 split across the board. You know, If you sell your game on it, you get 70% of the money made. Steam gets 30%. They actually right. changed that. Um... Like almost as though someone maybe let on to them a week ago or so that you know that perhaps one of their biggest possible competitors was about to beat them in this front. So Valve changed it last week, I believe, to make it so that Steam now uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but basically, if your game sells, I think it was over ten million, or or if it makes over ten million dollars, I believe. Um, oh, here we go start from October 1st uh, when a game makes over 10 million dollars on Steam the revenue share for that application will adjust to 75% to 25% instead of 70-30 uh, at 50 million dollars it'll go to 80-20 80% 20% so basically they're like if you make a lot of money we'll let you keep more of that money right okay uh, Epic across the board on their new system or the new store uh, we'll be doing an 88-12 split. So 88% of the money made will go to the people that made the game. 12% will go to Epic for running their storefront. Right. So it's far more generous. Um, far more competitive. This is something like... Epic is a weird one because I, I feel like... Obviously everyone has their own store at this front. Like, we probably have our own store at this front. But you know, like... EA has their Origin stuff and Ubisoft has the Uplay client and things. But those primarily just host their own games on it. So their revenue split is 100% because they make both. Uh, with Epic, right. Epic are obviously branching out to try and put other games onto their platform. So it's interesting to see if we finally have another big competitor other than like GOG that is like here your game will be on Steam and it will be on here, but you will make more money off the copies that you sell with us to kind of encourage uh-huh. people to market their games on that store more than anything else. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Competition's good. If if this comes out and is super successful, then it will mean that Valve has to you know, rethink some of the stuff with Steam and improve Steam more, which is good for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm interested in seeing where it goes. And, you know, Epic has that Fortnite money, so they can do what they want, I guess. They aren't yeah. afraid. <laughs> um, the Tekken World Tour happened last weekend. Uh, I played a bunch more Tekken this week, which we didn't really mention because I don't have anything new to add other than I played as King and beat people up and got beat up more often. Um, right. But yeah, Tekken World Tour happened this weekend and... 
uh, there was some news out of it, as you would expect. So it was the end of the Tekken World Tour. Tekken World Tour is a big thing that happens over a long period of time. It was the finals this weekend. Um, big news was things like, for the first time in Tekken history, a bear player has won the tournament. The champion is a panda. The greatest of all Tekken characters. Right, okay. Um, it's a really fun match to watch. Like The, the bears are widely, generally, just considered, like because they're big... And they've got big hitboxes because they're big chubby pandas and bears and stuff. They're usually not great characters. And yeah, someone won the biggest tournament in the entire Tekken world with it, which is pretty fantastic. Right. Um, but then they announced... Uh, so they announced the second DLC season pass earlier this year. And a couple of those characters came out earlier this year. There was... Um, oh god, I forget. It was Anna and someone else. And then they announced Negan from The Walking Dead was going to come into it at some point. And uh, they said there would be a couple of other characters. There would be three other characters, but they didn't say who they were. So, during the Ticket World Tour event, they announced all three of the remaining characters that were coming. And two of them launched that day. So, we have uh, Marduk, who again is from... All of these are returning characters from previous Tekken games. Uh, Marduk is like a big kind of grappler guy. Armor King, who was definitely big kind of fan favorite that people wanted back. Um, and Julia Chang, who again another old favorite. Uh, yeah. And then they showed a gameplay trailer of Negan, and showed how Negan plays and how he looks, and still seems like the worst fucking choice for a guest character in that <laughs> game. as someone who has liked all their previous choices of guest characters like I really like Noctis um, I like Geese Howard like they're weird choices but they, they fit the game surprisingly well Negan just he looks terrible but whatever it's fine um, we got Armor King so it's all happy cool uh, yeah so the Armor King and Marduk, Marduk are out now so you can go download those if you have the season pass. But it's but it's not the original. Yeah. yeah, it's the se- the second season. Season two. Yeah. Um. What else do we have? I only have two other new stories. One of them uh, is barely a new story because they didn't actually have any information with it. But there's a Metal Gear Solid board game coming. Woohoo! It's been published by IDW Games, which is worrying because they publish a lot yeah. of licensed garbage. Yes. Uh, but it's being made by Emerson Matsuchi, who made Spectre Ops, which was apparently a pretty successful and uh, well-liked. Well, yeah, it was well-respected. It did yeah. really well from Plaid Hat Games. Yeah, from Plaid Hat Games, yeah. And that's a stealth-based uh, multiplayer game. So, yes, hey, you know, he has history of making similar types of games. <laughs> so, I like Melgar Solid. I like board games. I will... If, IDW, if nothing else, usually do good miniatures. So this is probably one of those ones where even if it's bad, I'll end up buying it for the dumb miniatures. Um, but we'll see. I hope it's good. I'm all in favour of Kim. good games, as you would expect. Uh, and yes. then the last thing I've got here is uh, the Bethesda disaster. Um, how much have you kept up on Fallout 76, Mike? Uh... Not much. All right, let's start from the start then. 
<laughs> Fair enough. 76 came out, it, it was bad. Right. Basically Fallout 4, but without any NPCs and with kind of bad multiplayer put into it. Uh, they had a bunch of server issues and stuff at launch. People were not happy with it. It's just in general doesn't seem good. Like people are not happy with the quality of the game. But on top of that, there's been a bunch of other controversies around it. Uh, one of them being when they launched the when they announced the collector's edition of it, the power armor edition is like two hundred dollars. It comes with a Brotherhood of Steel helmet mm-hmm. that is. A uh, functional plastic helmet that you can wear over your head, and it's got like a voice modulator and stuff like that in it, and a canvas bag that is kind of themed like one of the things from like the the art for the game. Um, when they actually shipped, people got these. the The Brotherhood of Steel helmet was, you know, kind of how they described it. it's lower quality than people expected, but that's because people apparently forgot about the Pip Boy from the last game. Because these are always cheap garbage. Yeah. Um, the bigger one is that the canvas bag was not a canvas bag. It was a really cheap, crappy nylon bag. Right. And when asked why this was the case, why this like blatant false advertising was a thing, Bethesda say, said that they couldn't get the materials for it. Because, you know, we all know canvas is a rare material. <laughs> um... Naturally, people complain a bunch because it's false advertising. It's straight up fucking illegal in most places. What the fuck are you doing, yeah. Bethesda? Um, they paid $200 for this shitty bag that is like lower quality than the bags for life you'd get at your supermarket. Um, yeah. So Bethesda offered them... Uh, they offered them 500 atoms, which is the in-game currency for Fallout 76 that you can use for buying microtransactions. Right. 500 atoms is not enough to buy a canvas bag in Fallout 76. <laughs> like, that costs 600 atoms. It's not enough to buy anything of use. or Right. Money. And regardless of whether it is or not, that atoms is an in-game currency. It literally costs Bethesda nothing to make and nothing to give out. So, so yeah, what are you playing Their at? response was, hey, we're sorry we lied to you. Here's some fake money made up. We can make as much of this as we want whenever we want, but we chose not to make much for you. Here you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not the best thing to do. It's a bizarre choice. So then, eventually, they came around and they were like, okay, we're going to give... Well, I guess there was actually one more thing before this. Before this, people got even more angry because, as it turns out, YouTube influencers that had been given like review copies of the game and stuff like that, and early uh-huh. access copies of the game, got sent an actual canvas bag and the helmet for nothing because they're influencers and Bethesda want them to be really positive in their YouTube videos. Oh, for God's sake. So people were so even more yeah. angry. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, yeah, they're not helping themselves yet. No. And then Bethesda eventually were like, okay. I assume because one of their lawyers came in and was like, guys, you will get sued out of existence by the EU. Come on, don't be silly. So they said that if you uh, send them a support request, 
they'll send you a canvas upgrade instead. It's like, just keep the nylon bag, we'll send you a canvas one. Done. Uh-huh. That should have been the end of it. Other than, obviously, Fallout 76 is still not a good game. Yes. Uh, people who send support requests for to Bethesda for this started receiving support emails from Bethesda. What do you mean support emails? As in uh, emails that other people were sending to Bethesda <laughs> claiming their stuff. Which, one, is an insane fuck-up. Yeah. Which, to give the benefit of the doubt, is probably not entirely Bethesda's fault because they probably used some third-party software for this and that's probably what's not working. Regardless, not a good look when you already have all this other issue and you're a company that has a history of broken products. So, but the reason this is bad is because this is people asking, this is people sending in support requests for replacements for physical goods. Oh, so yeah. These that's... support requests have people's names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, proof of purchase yeah. of Fallout 76. Like, Whoa. it's fucked. That's yeah, real bad. That's, yeah, that's not good. Um, you kind of just have to hope that, you know, if you were involved in this, that your shit hasn't got stolen and being used for nefarious means. Yeah. Uh, some people at least seem to be taking it in good humor. Like there was pictures of people sending support emails in saying, ah, "So what are you guys in here for?" Uh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, hey, and it's everything. It's not just these emails. It's all support emails. So you know, people have taken photos and they're also receiving emails that are like, um, you know, I linked my wrong account, blah blah blah, or Fallout Four is broken and I need this, and but like it's fucked um, apparently people were also able to see partial credit card information for some people as well um, that is that is crazy at this point I don't know if this has actually been up, uh, fixed yet but right um, I would assume it is because this happened yesterday but I've not I don't see an e- like an update to the uh, story anywhere um, right but yeah it's, it's fucked like that's if they weren't going to get sued by the EU before, <laughs> massive data breaches is something the EU has sued multiple big companies for this year. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not a good one for them. Um, no, that's not good. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Fallout 76 is... I knew it was going to be a mess, but I thought it was just going to be a bad game and everyone move on and forget about it. The fact that it is such a fucking shit show across the board. <laughs> Every time it seems like one issue is dying down, like when they're finally like, okay, we're just going to replace the bags, let's stop talking about this, it's all over. Something else happens. Yeah. It's such a mess. Um, That's all the news I've got, though. Should we do new releases? Yes! Looking at, uh, sorry, my cat is now trying to eat my headphone cable, <laughs> which That's is uh, my not good. Cut um, out. Your headphones are going to cut out now. Yeah, it's <laughs> a cursed episode. I, I'm going to yell out pain. There's going to be yell, look, you know, meowing look. of a cat as it gets launched across the room. Look, it's just... they're trying to silence us. 
but they can't do it. Alright? We're telling yes. the truth. We're getting their truth out there. Yeah, the world I'm gonna... is flat. It's I'm going to have to have a... Yep, on the back and I of have four have elephants. <laughs> and I'm going to have to word, have a word with my cat to tell him to stop taking the the, uh, the hush pouches from Bethesda. That's it. Keep mm-hmm. feeding them those. It's the food pouches. It's the side yes. Them. Yep, that's it. So, uh, looking at stuff coming out for next week, so that is weekending the 14th of December. There's not much because most of it is coming out tomorrow as we're recording this, so yeah. it will already be out. Uh, there is a digital game coming out for the PC and the Switch called Gris from Devolver Digital. I'm looking forward to this one. What is it exactly? It's have a, seen it on the store, but it's a two D platformer with really, really nice looking art. Right. I hope it plays really well as well. Like it looks like it does from the you know the trailer, but obviously you can't tell that until you actually play it. Um, right. But the art is gorgeous. Like this is one that, assuming it's even if it's not a good game, like I'm going to pick this up when it comes out, and it will probably end up in our best looking category, assuming that the art is as consistent throughout the whole game as it is in the trailer and screenshots. Uh-huh. Like it is a gorgeous looking game. Cool. Uh, after that, we have for the Switch uh, Game of the Year competitor. Uh, definitely, it's probably already high on my list. I haven't played it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's My Little Riding Champion. Yeah, that's from probably, Big Ben Interactive. That should be good. Big Ben always really good things. Yes, always. Uh, oh, they were also on the same day. They're also bringing out V Rally Four. That one I actually am interested in. Yeah, um, although the... there's not a lot of good racing games on the Switch right now. Yeah, like we mentioned this when you were reviewing uh... Grip. Grip. Um, I was going to say Gress is the thing. Is like I'm looking at it right <laughs> on the screen. I'm like Gress. It's not called Gress. Um, yeah, but there's not a lot of racing games on the Switch just now, except for like Mario Kart. And, uh, yeah, the, these, fuck, what was the F Zero one that came out at the start? Oh, uh, that was fast, on fast racing fast, Neo. Yeah, that game's great. I still play that now and again. But um, there's not much else. Yeah, there's the is it Gear Club or yeah, which are like the first one was a phone port. I think the second one is made for Switch. But those games are supposed to be quite good. But they're also really expensive. Yeah. Um, that was actually a new it, story I didn't add to the thing. Um, uh, uh, grid two, or not not Grid two, uh, Grid Autosport, which is the third Grid game by Codemasters. Yes, uh, got announced for Switch. Oh, okay. It's getting a port to Switch, which that game was really really good. It's been ported by the same people that ported it to phones and tablets, but they said that it's the full console version that they're bringing to Switch. Right, okay. So, that could be good. That's a fucking good racing game. It's a, again, as we've been saying, a market that is not being filled on the Switch at the moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sorry for interrupting. Cool. No, no, that, uh, that was basically it anyway. Um, so, I'm just looking to see, I'm looking on Switch's store to see if there's anything notable coming out for the, the 14th. Um, uh... Well, the Everspace uh, yeah, eventually the comes space out. Sim. 
Yeah, so that is available at a discounted rate. Still, I remember seeing it at one of the or the trailer for it and like the look of it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be too fiddly or and it's quite. It's quite expensive as well. Yeah, I think it depends how much there is of it as well. Like, if this is like a 100-hour game, which it could yeah. be a lot of space sims are, um, you know, it's an easy, easy purchase. If it's, you know, more regular-length game, then it depends on how good the port is. Yeah. Um, I think um, it's already out on PC. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure people like that game, but I don't actually right. know anything about it off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Knights of Pen and Paper are is getting... The, that one and its sequel are getting versions for the Switch on the 13th yeah. of December. I recognize the name. I don't think I ever played those. Knights of Pens and Paper War um, mobile games uh, yeah. first came out on iOS, if I remember correctly. They were quite That's good. usually how games work on phones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what else have we got coming out around about that time? Something called Blue Rider recognize that name as well but I don't know uh, looks like a like a shmup hmm. uh, Fantasy Star uh, the old the original, Sega game yeah, yeah that's I, uh, getting a, a port over I can only dream that someday we will get Fantasy Star Online 2 over here yes been out in Japan for 6 years 7 years yeah don't think we're getting it at this point Uh and yeah, there's a uh, Switch still getting its uh, fair share of games that were out before. Firewatch is getting a port. Yeah, that should be good. That was a good game. Uh, I'm looking through other releases on PSN to see if there's anything. I don't think there's only a couple of things. Like by the time this podcast goes up, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds will be out on PS4. Right. Okay. And on the 11th of December which this podcast should probably be up before then but who knows um, Earth Defense Force 5 will be coming out oh cool which that could be cool I don't think I'm reviewing that one this time <laughs> no those those games are quite weird yeah I, I reviewed them um, for was it 4.1 that was the PS4 re-release of 4 I really yeah. enjoyed it like I, I might pick this one up because I did really enjoy that last one. Um, yeah, it's weird. It feels like it's coming out of nowhere, but those games aren't exactly high budget, high marketed games, I guess. No, no, they're not. No. They're kind of churned out quite quickly as well. Yeah, well, no, there's. A, it's not necessarily they churned out quite quickly. The main ones, like the main big numbered ones, aren't. But they churn out like re-releases in between them quite quickly. Right. But the actual main ones, like, Earth Defense War 4 came out a good few years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was back when the Vita was relevant, so it must have been at least a decade ago. Okay, maybe not quite. But it was at least, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. Because I got... Uh, I got the the review code for Earth Defense Force 4.1, and then we had a spare review code for... Whatever the Vita one was that came out at the same time. Um, Earth Defense Source 2, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was a remake of 2. Um, at the same time. Anyway, Earth Defense Force will be out. It looks good. Cool. Smash Bros. will be out. 
Yes. We need, yeah, we need that. Yeah, we need another 45 minutes of material. Come on, Mike. Let's fill air so we can play Smash Bros. Well, yeah, I could just sit and tell you exactly what I'm doing in Civ 6. That all. <laughs> I was wondering why you were going so quiet. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's like five hours of content there for you. Uh, oh, God. But yeah. uh, I think. <laughs> I think that's us. I don't think there's anything else. Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Cool. So the only thing to do is uh, thank you for listening to us. If you have any comments, concerns, or questions you want to send to us, you can send us an email to glitchfree. No, podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. I fucked that up. Jesus. Yeah, podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can send us an email. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Glitchy Gaming. On Twitter, we are at Glitchfree Game. You can find us on the Tinterwebs at www.glitchfreegaming.com where Ben is putting some cool reviews and bits and bobs up. And we also have a YouTube channel, which is Kieran... You know it better than me. YouTube.com slash user slash glitch free game. Uh, I have a review of Shapeshifting Detective up there now, which I mentioned last time. It is finally up. Um, the written version is going to be up on the main site soon. It should hopefully be up by the time this podcast goes up. Uh, cool. At the very least, you can see the video there. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't think there's anything else to say, really. Uh, there's just one thing. What's that? Alright, so... What if... Someone's family was awesome? Like, their family loves you, their family supports you and this person. They're fun to be around, they respect boundaries, you love talking to them. But... Yes. This person also has the ashes of their previous lover preserved in a dildo urn. I... Preserved in a what? A dildo urn. They want to sometimes Duh. use it as a dildo. <laughs> the urn seal is tamper-proof. It will never leak any of the ashes. Like it's, it's sealed. Right. But they keep them in dildo to remember them as they lived. Horny. <laughs> and sometimes you swear you hear ghost sounds from it. <laughs> would you still date that person well it depends see when they're <laughs> see when they're talking about they want to use the urn do they want to use it on you it doesn't specifically say so I think it, it, you know whatever whatever way you agree consensually for it to be used if, whether it's on themselves or on you yeah if I walked in and there were you know Battering? I don't know. No, actually, no. That's. <laughs> what if it no, sounded, I don't know. That's... Though, what if it fucking sounded like a fucking sandbag, like a. <laughs> I don't. Like shaking a fucking salt shaker. Yeah, but but still, you walked in and they're bit they're busy getting fired in, oh, right? No. And you you wouldn't go, you'd normally you would go right crack on. You just keep yourself busy. It saves me doing a job. I'll see you later. But. Are you maybe going to think they're thinking of Roger? (laughs) (laughs) Thinking of Roger while using Roger. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't. That's a difficult one. <laughs> I don't think. Well, I, I, you know, actually, yeah, sure. It's not the. It's not as simple as the other ones, but it's still. This game's fucking good. People yes. go buy billionaire billionaire banshee. The cards I've read in this one have been from the expansion. Um, which I don't know if it even has a name. It just says billionaire banshee on here. Yeah, I think it's just the expansion. It just says new billionaire banshee sweet party game. It doesn't right. have like so an that, expansion yeah. name on it. It just says new billionaire banshee. So I wonder if it's right. called new billionaire banshee. Quite possibly. Um, it's it's very good. Yes. Uh, they, I've not played a full game with expansion yet, as I said before, but it, I've enjoyed the cards I've randomly pulled out during this podcast. <laughs> Cool. Excellent. So in that case we are we will leave you be and we will see you again next week. See ya. See ya.